I was born in Sacramento, California, a city that's not terribly well known these days, but back in the 1800s, it was the largest city in California. It was a center of trade, it was a center of travel, and consequently, it was the first capital for the state and continues to be this day. One of the things that was interesting growing up there, well, at least the first four years that I moved away, was driving or walking through the old downtown area of Sacramento on a night and seeing the sidewalks glow. Now, you may have seen this in other cities where in the sidewalk there are squares or octagons filled with dozens of glass circles or octagons or, squ or squares that dozens and dozens within a pattern and sometimes numerous installations of these down a sidewalk. And at night, if the lights are on downstairs, so to speak, they throw up a glow. And when I was a kid, I thought that was really classy and friendly and a gentle way of lighting sidewalks, not nearly as harsh as the street lights. But as I got older, I found there was a whole nother story to what those pieces of glass were and why there was light coming up from them at night. You see, Sacramento, one of the reasons it became the capital, is located near the confluence of some major rivers, including those leading to San Francisco Bay. And as so often happens to cities that are near major rivers that grow a little too fast, it flooded over and over and over. So much so that in the inauguration of one of the early governors, he literally had to be taken by rowboat to the Capitol for that inauguration. And that event caused the city leaders to say, okay, we got to do something about this. And in that very, frankly, American way of fix it, fix it, fix it, they raised the entire downtown by 14 feet. And for the most part, that worked. The way that they raised it was if the building was light and made of wood, it was shifted out of the way for the ground to be built up, and then it was shifted back. But a lot of the buildings were made out of stone or brick, and so it was impractical to try to raise them. What they did with those is they just simply buried the first story. And so to this day, there's this very fascinating underground pathway that is all these 1800s storefronts that no longer have merchandise for sale, but are part of storage or workshops. And in this day and age, they're now internet businesses that are startups in those basements. And what those circles of light are, are allowing light down into that other world, particularly before the time of electricity. Because before the time of electricity, they tried lighting those underparts with kerosene or candles. And very quickly, they discovered that it became too smoky, even though the light was pretty good. And so all sorts of folks are trying to solve this problem. This was in the 1850s, long before commercial electricity. And there was one inventor named Thaddeus Hyatt who came up and patented 
those little glass circles. But while from the sidewalk level, they look like just flat circles or squares or octagons of glass, what his invention was, was down below, each one had a prism so that when sunlight shined on the upper glass, it was spread to the undercrofts below. And those prisms would be designed and pointed so that every square corner, every inch of the downstairs could be lit. And it being California, lots of sunlight, it was extremely effective. So this approach became famous and started to be utilized all over the United States and really all over the world. A way of effectively, during daylight hours, lighting the undercroft areas because often cities were expanding streets and actually building sidewalks on top of active basements or even work areas. So all over the world, there are, even to this day, these squares of dozens of circles or squares or octagons that during the day are just sort of a dull color. But at night, if anyone's left now an electric light on downstairs, they glow with that light coming up. It's an amazing thing to me. It was this, this genius way of thinking outside the box as to how to get light into these areas in a way that would not suffocate people or increase fire risks. Now, I think of this as I think of this morning's gospel and Jesus' words to us that we are to be the light of the world. Because I think each one of us, each one of us is a prism. That each one of us receives that sunlight, to use a terrible pun, and we let it, if we're being faithful, just radiate out of us through the prism of our hearts, our words, our actions. That we light up the world around us. And those pieces of glass have no consciousness of what, we're, of what they're doing. And similarly, we as Christians, when we're really at our best, we aren't even aware of what we're doing. Because that flowing of love through us outward becomes second nature. Actually, it reclaims our first nature. To be loving people, loving everyone around us and even all of creation around us. Letting that light come down and just radiate through the prism that God has created us to be. Now, one thing that's interesting about this invention was while it's over the decades became used in cities all over the world, where it first really took off internationally was on ships. Because one of the issues that ships had at that time, whether they were made out of steel or wood, was that the under decks were hard to light. And so it was very helpful to have these prisms. Usually they wouldn't have a whole bunch of them together. They'd be larger and specially shaped to light the under deck during the day through the sunlight. But then at night, something crucial took place. That is actually just as important, if not more important, than that daytime light. At night, as these ships sailed, the 
evening watch could look down on the deck and if any of those prisms were lit up, like in modern days with the electric light coming up from those basements in cities, the sailors on watch would know that there was a fire below deck. That they didn't have to wait till they smelled smoke, they didn't have to wait till flames burst through the deck. If the light was bright enough to be seen from the deck, it was an emergency. And so ships increasingly became designed with these light prisms that were not just over the crew areas where they would need them during daylight hours to have light, but also over the coal bunkers and over storage areas with flammable materials. And those became crucial to keeping ships safe because one of the greatest dangers for sailors at sea in that era, and really now as well, was fire because it could literally consume the vessel before they could do anything about it. So this light supply became also a life-saving device. Guess what? We are all life-saving devices. That for the people around us, we can make such a difference simply by being prisms of God's love that lives are saved. Sometimes quite literally, if someone is, say, in depression or something like that. Other times, a little more metaphorically. But we have to realize how crucial it is to be sharing that light, that light of God's love. We are saving lives as we do it. Last piece of this story, the inventor, Thaddeus Hyatt. He became a multimillionaire through this invention. But he didn't think his purpose in life was to accumulate riches. He thought his purpose, wonderfully so, was to make the world a better place. So he had this patent in the late 1840s. For decades after that, till the end of the Civil War, and even a little bit after that, he spent his millions on efforts to abolish slavery in the United States. That he spent almost his entire fortune in all sorts of different efforts around the country to help slaves gain freedom, for, to help enslaved people have new lives after they escaped, and to, more than anything else, be very active in political and social processes that were building up the anti-slavery movement. He was a key person in having slavery abolished in the United States. He changed the world. He changed the world. We get to do the same thing. The light shining through us, the prism of God's love, can give a focus to our lives, to the lives of people we encounter, so that folks are inspired to live better lives to care about the least in society, to work to make the big changes as well as the everyday changes, to make this world a better place, a place more in the image of God's dream for it, more full of love and compassion for all, of justice and peace for all. So when you think of yourself, know that you bear the light, you carry the light, 
There is a prism in you that is unique. No one else carries that same prism because each one of us has a particular place, a particular way in which God needs to have God's love shine through us. So we don't have to copy where someone else is doing ministry or the same way that someone else is doing ministry. Let your light shine in the way that God has given you, in the way that God has created you, so that God's light may be in all of the dark corners of the earth and God's love may be felt by all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.